In just a few hours, I will be meeting a friend for lunch. I haven't seen this friend in a year, and I am beside myself to be having lunch with this person. But you know what else is true? I'm exhausted just thinking about it. I'm exhausted thinking about the awkward moment where we try and assess in less than 10 seconds whether or not we are going to hug. P.S. I'm so into hugging right now. I just want to snuggle everyone. And you know what? Not everybody feels that way. And fair enough. I'm exhausted thinking about the loud waiter or waitress. Were they always this loud? I feel like they sneak up on me and I jump six feet in the air whenever they are checking in. It's me. It's not them. I know this. But... I'm exhausted just thinking about it. I'm exhausted thinking about what we're going to talk about, how we'll talk about it. Will we go deep? Will we keep it surface? Actually, with this friend, I know there will be depth. But when? Right away? How long until we can go deep? This level of social anxiety is not new to me. But over the many years I've been living in this skin suit, I've become pretty darn socially adept in that I generally know what to say and how to say it. I know when to hold them and when to fold them. I mean, we would hope so. I'm a freaking communication coach. But right now, it's a whole new ball game. As a communication coach, I am fascinated by all of this and have been taking field notes on my own personal struggles and the struggles that I hear other people share with me. I've been taking field notes around what I think is the most challenging and the most excruciating parts of peopling and why. And I want to know how we can make all of it less tortured and more nourishing and more generative and more golden. But before we go any further, I realize, actually, I can't possibly realize, I am merely aware that I am profoundly lucky to have been born in a country and living inside of a country that is able to provide an abundance of vaccines to its people. I understand that not everyone is so lucky, so profoundly privileged. I'm also aware that this episode may be poorly timed for those of you listening from places around the world where the vaccine rollout is just on a completely different timeline, a delayed timeline. If that's your situation, this episode will mostly just annoy you and possibly depress you because I'm about to share observations and coping strategies for those of us re-entering the chaos of a reinvigorated social life. And that may not be what you want to hear right now if you are in full lockdown mode still. Because I have listeners all around the world and I really, I respect your experience and I don't want you to have to sit through this. But having said all that, If you're listening from a place that is opening up, if you're listening from a place where you're like, yep, I feel you, there's a lot of social life happening, pull up a chair because we need to talk. Here's what I've observed. I have observed three pretty major communication challenges since I emerged from my COVID bubble. And here they are. Challenge number one, small talk was exhausting and depleting before COVID. Now it's just soul crushing. I mean, listen, small talk is a funny thing. It's actually necessary for humans. In fact, there have been some fascinating studies done on the value of small talk and how being able to have friendly, lighthearted conversations with strangers actually makes us happier. I'm thinking specifically of Dr. Nicholas Epley, a professor of behavioral science at the University of Chicago, and his experiment with commuters on the Chicago Metra rail line. They had three groups of people. 
those they encouraged to talk to strangers during their rides, those who they asked to refrain from speaking to other passengers, and the control group, of course, who they were told nothing, just basically released into the wild. This quote from the Chicago Tribune really sums it up. Quote, commuters asked to interact with other passengers reported having the most pleasant commute. Commuters asked to enjoy their solitude reported the least pleasant commute. We found the same results among both introverts and extroverts, end quote. This totally amazes me because if I had been in that group, I would have been like, please don't force me to make small talk during the one time in my day when I can be alone with my thoughts. But that's not what the data shows. The data shows we need each other and we need to not go deep with each other all the time. But at least for me, that small talk has to be in small doses. I feel a deep sense of existential anguish and loneliness when I'm still engaged in surface level conversation after a certain point. It makes me feel as though I can't know the person I'm talking to and they can't know me. I can't be real with them and they can't be real with me. It makes me feel like Tom Hanks in Castaway. Like it's just me and my volleyball, Wilson, and we're pretending to have a relationship. And that makes me so sad. I want to freak out. So what do we do with this? On one hand, small talk is good and necessary. On the other hand, it's painful and isolating. So here is my solution to problem number one of post-COVID, and that problem being that small talk is soul-crushing. My solution is that I'm going to reframe small talk into showing genuine interest in someone else. That genuine interest may be about simple things like, are you traveling this summer or are you waiting a bit? I am actually curious to know this. I want to know where people are going and why and what their comfort levels are. I find it super interesting. I think a soulful question can be innocuous and lighthearted. Not all of us are ready for the deep dive. So to some, deep probing questions feel like a real invasion. But soulful questions can feel like an invitation. They signal that I'm interested in your life, not in a creepy boundary violating way, but in a real way. So I'm very into this idea of leaving small talk behind, but being just genuinely interested in another human being. But that's a strategy for people like I don't know that well. For the people I do know well, I have a slightly different strategy, especially if I'm spending a decent amount of time with them. Here's an example. My friend Jen Reedy and I spent 24 hours together in Marin recently, and for years, Jen and I have been meeting up every quarter for what we call strategic offsites. Because that's what they are early on in our businesses. And by the way, the only reason I started Bronwyn Communications in 2002 was because Jen Reedy said I could. Like, just so we're clear how longstanding this relationship is. So early on, Jen and I were like, well, geez, men have their golf games and they go talk business and have strategery. What's our version of that? And so we every quarter, we meet up for massages and a lunch and talk through all manner of strategy and dreaming and scheming in our businesses and personal lives. And it is always just a total joy. So now that we're both vaccinated, we decided to park our cars at Tennessee Valley Beach and hike over that ginormous hill to the Pelican Inn and spend the night. And that's a lot of talking time, right? So the day before, Jen texted me and said, okay, you come with two juicy questions and I'll come with two juicy questions and we will unpack them while we're hiking. 
I freaking loved this. It was so fun to think about my questions ahead of time and so fun to hear Jen's questions for me. And it gave our gathering just some focus and some depth and a loose agenda to talk through. So we weren't like panicking about dead silence. You know what I mean? And in the spirit of sharing, here are some of my favorite juicy questions that I've been asking among close friends. Especially with this first one is like friends, but that I haven't seen in a while. So here's one. This was a hard year for our tribal elders. How did your parents cope? I have a lot to say about that question, and I'm very curious to hear what other people have to say about that question. So that's a big one for me right now. Second question. What was one surprising thing you learned about yourself last year? And I think that's the one Jen asked me. And the way we answered that question was, what's one good thing you learned about yourself? What's one bad thing you learned about yourself? The next one is, what is the thing that is energizing you right now? What is draining you of energy? Those were my two questions for Jen. What is bringing you energy and what is draining you of energy? God, I love that question. I also love this one. What did you miss most during lockdown? Or what is your most vivid memory of the early part of lockdown? This is a good one too. Do you have any new boundaries or parameters around your time and schedule now that you're back into the wild? And lastly, I just read this really terrific book called Why We Gather, How We Meet and Why It Matters by Priya Parker. And I loved this soulful question she asked at a dinner gathering. She asked, what does home mean to you? This invites just such a rich conversation. And in the book, she talks about how it kind of elicited this immigrant experience from one of her dinner guests because they were immigrants to the United States. And their response to that question was so different from the the response of the people that grew up here. Just so beautiful and rich. And in fact, I was recently talking about this with someone and I realized that Sal is home to me, my husband. Wherever he is, it just feels like safety, like home. And this really surprised me because I am such an independent hair shirt. I mean, I, I like to be left the hell alone most of the time. And yet I just, he's home to me. But don't get me wrong. I mean, I can't wait till he goes back to the office (laughs) so we don't have to hear each other talking all day. But at the end of the day, that man is home to me. And I just, I never would have imagined that that would have been my answer had somebody not asked me. So just to recap, the first communication challenge post-COVID is that small talk is soul crushing. So how about we reframe it? No more small talk, only genuine interest in other human beings and or asking interesting questions and listening deeply to the answers. Problem number two, here is the second problem. And this is nuanced. This really took me some time to put my finger on it, but I think I settled on it. Here's the problem. The rhythm of banter has changed during COVID thanks to Zoom meetings, right? So all the bantering, all of the, as my father used to call it, bouncing the ball back and forth conversationally, all of that changed because in a Zoom meeting or a Microsoft Teams meeting or a WebEx meeting or whatever the hell meeting you're having, there is the inherent delay of just communicating over the internet. You know what I mean? It's it's that, you know, if you're talking and somebody interrupts you, you don't hear the whole interruption because the, the sound is not synced, right? It's just this, it's just this different synchronicity, 
or lack thereof rather. Because conversation has a kind of rhythm to it. There's a give and a take. It's a lot like improv. We are constantly reacting to what other people are saying and doing their facial expressions, even if it's at a purely unconscious level. But for the past year, we have been improving and conversing in these web meetings, and we adjusted to that split second delay, that awkward sharing of mic time. And honestly, I think we did a pretty freaking amazing job. We figured it out. We know how to bounce the ball back and forth over Zoom now. It's incredible, actually. But now we are going back to the rhythm of live improv, live conversation, live banter. And I'm noticing how hard my subconscious mind is working to readjust and keep pace with live conversation. Here's an example. I recently had the honor of attending a memorial service for a very, very special woman. She was just a real light in the world, a joyful, joyful spirit. And while it was just tragic losing her way too soon, it felt like such a blessing to at least be able to celebrate her life in community. It felt incredible to gather at a church and talk about her, to listen to stories about her. I mean, what a, yes, we all had masks on, but what a freaking gift. I think of all the people that weren't able to do that over the past year, and it makes me sick and sad. And after the memorial, we all gathered in her backyard to do a toast and share a meal. Everyone was vaccinated. Masks were off. It was just amazing. And I had great conversations with people I love. It was a really incredible experience. But, but after the event, I got into my car and I began to have a massive anxiety attack. Heart raced, mouth went dry, the whole shebang. And if you've never had an anxiety attack, it is really something. It is like it is like a force outside of yourself is hijacking your body. It's a freaking trip. But, you know, I'm no stranger to anxiety, so I did my box breathing where you breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four, hold for four, and you kind of expand that number to five, six, seven, whatever. And it immediately calms you down if you can remember to do it. And if I catch an anxiety attack early enough, it really, it substantially decreases the ferocity of the attack. But after the anxiety attack, I wondered, what the hell was that? I loved that gathering. I loved every person I spoke with. I loved every conversation I had. And here's what I realized. I had been subconsciously white knuckling every conversation trying to do them right. I was subconsciously torn between wanting to bond deeply over our shared humanity, wanting to mourn collectively the loss of such a beautiful human, while also wanting to catch up and talk about Bridgerton, while also wanting to bemoan the fact that my dress was too tight and my high heels were hurting my feet. And it was so stressful to have this many like competing psychological agenda items knowing full well that I've lost my knack for timing and appropriateness because I am out of practice. So I had been white knuckling every conversation because I was deathly afraid of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time to the wrong people in the wrong tone. And as soon as I formed that realization in my mind, oh, my shoulders began to relax. And I said to myself, I allow myself to be awkward. I allow myself to be awkward. Say it with me right now, wherever you are. I allow myself to be awkward. 
I cannot tell you what a relief this is to repeat as a mantra before walking into a social situation. Truly, it just takes so much the pressure off because here's the God's honest truth. We are all awkward right now. We are all conversationally clumsy. We were before COVID, but we are even worse now. And trying to avoid it is only going to make us more tense and wait for it, more awkward. So if the second big communication problem is that we are struggling to adjust to the conversational rhythm of live interaction, let's solve that problem by allowing ourselves the grace to be clumsy conversationally, awkward AF, okay? Okay, so this leads me to my third and final post-COVID communication challenge. Here's the problem. Some conversations and social situations are painful because they are not for you. These are not your people. And I'm going <laughs> to, I'm actually going to let the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills make this point for me. I know, bear with me. There's a point here, I promise. And disclaimer, I do not watch the Real Housewives franchise. I've tried. I really, I have really tried. I just can't deal most days. But the other night, I was cleaning up the kitchen and I just felt brain dry. You know that feeling when you're just you're just out of juice and exhausted and I wanted a cocktail and I wanted a vacation and I wanted an expensive handbag and I was just in this like weird acquisitive funk of longing and grasping and I call it my Veruca Salt funk, you know, from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. She's like, I want it all and I want it now, daddy. I was having like a Veruca salt attack, which is usually like an early warning sign that I'm burnout. If I catch it at the Veruca salt level, I could usually avoid a massive burnout. But anyway, so I'm in full Veruca salt mode, but it was too late for a cocktail because I was about to go to bed. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to open my Xfinity app on my laptop. And while I'm doing the dishes, I'm going to find... Andy Cohen's corner of that zone, and I'm going to fire up the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and I'm going to live vicariously through their Veruca Salt lives. And I was so guided by God because it happened. I chose the perfect episode. I chose the post-COVID season opener. It was perfect because the housewives were gathering for the first time in forever, and I have to imagine they were going through the same anxiety and awkwardness that we have all been going through, and they're going through it on camera. And sure enough, they seemed initially genuinely happy to reconnect. And it was so much fun to see other humans on camera hugging each other post-vaccination. It was just super cool. But then, of course, they began doing what they do, talking shit, throwing shade, and being super mean to each other, which is why I can never hang with these gals, because to me, this is not friendship. This is masochism. But I hung in there until the end of the episode because it's like watching a train wreck and I couldn't take my eyes off. And at the end of a full episode, I saw the preview for the next episode, which was a trip to Tahoe. And I thought to myself, why on earth would anyone want to spend even another second with people that feel so incredibly unsafe to be around. And I know they're getting rich and famous and from the show, and that's why they endure each other's abuse. But this is a cautionary tale for you and I. If COVID taught us anything this year, it is that life is way too tenuous and too short to spend even a second with people who don't treat you like gold, who don't celebrate your successes, who don't mourn with you when you lose. Life is too short to spend time with people 
who make us feel fat or old or boring or stupid, or who make us think that we need to dress a certain way, talk a certain way, or be a certain way. So my offering is this, do what Dr. Adam Dorsey recommends and see if your friends and gatherings with people pass the drive-away test. In other words, how do you feel driving away from that event? Do you feel grateful, replenished, supported, loved, or do you feel less than, broken, embarrassed, depleted? But there's another dimension to this problem. Some conversations and social situations are painful not because they're not your people. Maybe they are your people, but you are engaged in too many of them. This has been a huge realization for me and a mistake that I have made in the past few weeks, to be perfectly honest with you. I have been doubling and even tripling up on social gatherings to just try and catch up with everyone and get back on track. (laughs) So it's like a more normal pace, but it is slowly killing me. So I have set up a new parameter, a new rule. I cannot do more than one social activity per week, period. Why? Because I'm already doing band practice once a week and I have my parents and my in-laws over, my mother and my in-laws over for dinner once a week. And frankly, I want the other next nights of the week to be with my children and my husband and my books that I like to read before bed. I mean, my oldest daughter is almost, is, is done. By the time this episode airs, she'll be done with freshman year of high school. And I swear to God, I do not know where that time went. My middle daughter is heading into eighth grade and I could have sworn she was a sixth grader five minutes ago. And my little guy isn't little anymore. He's starting to sleep in. My household is shifting so quickly. And honestly, I would rather just make dinner and be here in case these humans need me. I'd rather do that than go out. And that is my truth. So now I have a set rule. I have reserved Wednesdays at four for meeting up with friends. And that's it. That's all I've got. Could I open my calendar and accommodate more? Sure. But the quality of my work would suffer. My relationships with my kids and my husband would suffer. And personally, as the dyed in the wool introvert that I am, I would suffer. So my friend, make sure you're giving time to people who pass the drive away test, but also maybe set up some bright lines around your schedule so that you don't create too much of a good thing. Because even if you're with people you love, If your schedule gets too crazy, those people are getting a lesser, more exhausted version of you, which isn't awesome either. Because here's the truth we all know, but sometimes forget. Time cannot actually be reclaimed. Once it's gone, it is gone. All of the cliches are true. One minute you're raising babies and trying to shove their fat little feet into shoes that seem like they don't fit right. And the next minute, you're starting to think about colleges and noticing gray hair in the mirror. Time cannot be reclaimed. So make sure you're using it to have the experiences you want to have versus the experiences that just show up ready to devour another year of your life. And on that note, listen, thank you for spending this time with me. You are a treasure to me. And I just... I'm sending you so much love from my little corner, and I wish you a year of freedom and abundance and experiences that you imagine and realize and bring into fruition. So shine on, my friend, and I will see you next time. If you haven't already, 
go ahead and hit subscribe so you can get the latest episodes delivered hot off the press. Or if you think of someone who could really use this message, share it with them. Also, if you're looking to take this further and go further and faster on this journey as a communicator, head over to bronwyncommunications.com forward slash subscribe. And on Monday mornings, you will receive a communication concept or tip to work with for the week. And on Saturday mornings, you'll receive a short little email with three things I am digging right now. It's just a fun little Saturday morning snippet to get you going. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at BronwynSF and LinkedIn. And if your company or organization needs a high-voltage keynote speaker who knows how to melt faces and blow minds virtually, I'm your gal. So shoot me a note and let's make some magic happen. Find me at BronwynCommunications.com and shine on. Thank you for listening.